You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. Man, I'm looking forward to diving into today's message and... uh... We are in our Wait Here Until Called series. If you're just catching up with this, this is message eight of nine. We've had three and came up for air and had three and, and then a holiday somewhere in there. And now we got our last three of which this is two. So eight of nine. And if you're following in Star Wars, that's the movie that didn't matter. All right. <laughs> this is not that message. This message is actually going to matter. It's pretty pivotal as I would like to think they, they all are. Uh, but before we get started in that, I just want to say, a, 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 first of all, a short thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I guess October is was Pastors Appreciation Month, and thank you so much to so many of you who poured out your, your hearts, wrote a kind card or, or a gift or anything like that. It's meant so much to my wife and I, and, and uh, will, will benefit us greatly. It's like one of those vacations you get home from and, and then need another vacation, so I'll be taking advantage of a little bit of that. Um, so again, just thank you so much. Um, the, the, the best privilege is being your pastor. You could be anywhere. You could be nowhere. But you are here. And so I thank you. I don't consider it just, ah, whatever. Like, I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad you're watching online. I'm, I'm really glad and appreciative to be your pastor. So th- just thank you. So a little, little back at you. You may not be aware, but there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Preaching usually tries to encourage or engage for life change. Teaching is educational, the expansion of knowledge, right? Some days, my messages lean a little bit more toward one and a little bit more toward the other. Today, man, buckle up. Uh, make sure your tray tables are in their upright and locked positions because both both are coming, coming at you. And, I got some time, you know, thinking in the never-ending screamo car ride home. <laughs> to, to clear my head, yes. <laughs> Put a lot of things in perspective. Um, you know, just thinking, you know, it, it's, great to be, uh, it's great to be a church, isn't it? Yeah. It's great to be a body of believers together to gather and to have a purpose and to have unity uh, together. And it's easy, or too easy these days, to be, to be known for maybe being a church that has a good community presence. To be known for a church that has that specific ministry going on. Or, or to be known for a church that partners with that homeless shelter. To be known as just the church on the corner, for no other reason. Or, or that church with the steeple. Maybe that's the identifying factor in 2021. But to set up where we're going and what we're talking about today, the, the most important thing we need to be a church known for is preaching and teaching the gospel and living it out. All other things are secondary, tertiary. The primary thing we need to be known for, because there's a shortcoming of that in our community and around the world, is a church that preaches and teaches the gospel. Now, again, that's, you know, I'm, I'm get the ball rolling. But where it goes is not solely up to me. Today's message is called, Called Out. 
And there are a few different types of things of way being called out. All right? One could be, anyone watch the Braves game? Yeah, it was up there. They were do, like, we had to avoid traffic because they're doing parades um, for the Braves because it has been a good bit, a good bit. I was but a wee youngin when the Braves won the last championship. Um, and it's been a good bit since, was it 91, 93, 2000? 1884. Um, it's been a long time. So they were having parades, and, and it was that's one way to be called out is in baseball. And that means that player who had his hopes on, on maybe hitting the grand slam or a walk-off homer or something like that, maybe just getting on first base. Yeah, I did it. You know, you're out. He, he's out of the game. Go sit down. Bad player. Bad. Go sit. Time out. That's one way to be called out. Another way to be called out is maybe if you're doing one of these little twinkle step toe things like on the sideline, burying, trying to stay in bounds like in football. And you see the guys are like, there's the line. He's like, whoa. And he's like running Mach 3 on his left toe, you know, just barely trying to stay, stay in. And ultimately he's whoops and he steps into the white. Now it's not bad player, go sit down and you're out of the game. It's just you're out of bounds. Therefore the play is over, unless the zebras are secretly playing for your team. That's the, that's the refs. Anyway, gives you catching on. The old zebras. Oh, these old zebras. They like to play for Alabama a lot. Anyway, um, those zebras, uh, that's a different way to be called out. And, and then uh, there's, there's the Old West. And, and you would hear the ka-clink, 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 ka-clink. And a man with a gruff voice and a crooked hat and a wilted vest, and maybe a little star on his chest would be like, I'm calling you out! Now, he's not, he's not calling you out to go shopping or to get a latte. He, he's calling you out on to the streets where tumbleweeds blow by, and someone is inevitably off in the hallway whistling. <whistles> like, that's his only job. Like, he's employed... You know, he's, you have your town sheriff, your town banker, and your town whistler. And he's just there on the sidelines waiting, tumbleweed, and go. And, that, and that's his job, right? It's a fantastic job. And, and you'd be called out to the middle of a street in the old wild, wild west to a duel. And it usually wasn't until the first boo-boo. Ow! You kill the other guy. That was a different way to be called out, Right? Again, it wasn't to go get a latte. It wasn't a pleasurable experience to get called out. I'm calling you out. So in our message today, we're going to be talking about two different types to be called out. Both equally important in our faith. I do not have enough colored or alternate colored markers for all the scriptures we're going to be looking at today. I ran out. So I hope you have one of these. I invite you to turn to the paper version. I know the digital version is so much easier. But some of where we're going today is going to be a scavenger hunt. And I really want to know if some of y'all can even find the book of Philemon. The first way we're going to talk about being called out today is separated separated. The first way we're talking about being called out 
is by separation from something else. My two-year-old son, Caleb, was called out of the womb two years ago. And my wife often feels like he's so clingy, he wishes he could go back in there. But he has been separated. The cord has been cut. He has been released from that tiny little cavernous space to a wide, wide world. He's been called out from what was into what is the next stage of life and development. Because if he had stayed in there, it would have killed them both. Because that boy's growing. Physiologically, it would not have been good. This is why, you ever think about like it's a, we take common miracles for, for granted, like the gestational period. Like it's just, who said it's all going to be about, about nine months? How cool is that? Like women, could you imagine that your kid took 15? And some other lady, he was born in three? Whew, gracious, there's a sermon. The first time we're talking about of being called out of being separated of sometimes in a good way and sometimes in a not good way and sometimes in a hard to understand way. The first scripture we're going to be looking at is Matthew chapter 10, just verse 34 right now. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. And this is a fun verse. Oh, man, let me... Ah, whew. I mean, there's, 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 there's verses that Hobby Lobby sells out of. This is one of them because people have this plastered all over their, their house, above their door mantles. It's on coffee mugs. You know, you'll be driving by, and this is the verse that's there on someone's bumper sticker. You know, they rip this off the post-it note message of the day. This is just that fun of a verse. Let's read it together because it's that fun. Here we go. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Woo! Ah, man. Yeah, fun stuff. Now, this doesn't mean that we go all, you know, I don't know, circa 1200 and go on a you know, religious campaign to retake the Holy Land. This is not the sword that Jesus is talking about. The sword that he's talking about is division, separating one thing from another. Because if I took a sword to a piece of salami and I went, how many pieces of salami do I have now? I have two, right? I have separated one piece into two. Can I put them back together again? No. No. Okay. Go home and try that if you need an experiment. Let me know how that turns out. Make sure to tag the church on Facebook. That's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm trying to get... It's not going to go back together. All right? This is a, this is a division. When I work, you might want to keep your finger here because we're coming back there. But the next scripture we're going to go is just a few chapters-ish over in another book called Luke. All right? And this is Luke chapter 12 and verse 50. Uh, we'll start in 49. Verse 49. And again, Jesus is saying, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. Wouldn't this already be on fire? Man, ugh, frustrating. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Now, we know what Jesus is talking about, because we're on the other side of this conversation, right? 
forward in time. In verse 51, Jesus says, Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three, in case anyone was mathematically unclear. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. Some of that happens naturally. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. There's going to be some separation. Well, why? Because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus came to do, what he came to say, and how he taught us to live will separate those who really believe and really follow from those who say they do but really don't and those who have no clue. God is ultimately the great separator. It's not a name you'll necessarily pull out of this text, but that's kind of what he does, right? He created all, and at the end of time, as he sees fit, will separate all. Into what two categories? Sheeps and goats, okay? Is this purely a... Pharmacological type of person, you know, God is very anti, you know, I don't know. No. What are the sheep and the goats? Oh. Already, some fun answers. God is ultimately the great. Separate. We're coming back to this. Don't think we've... Uh, we're just going to put a pin in that. That's actually one of the verses we're going to come to in a, in a short bit. God is ultimately the great separator. And, and let's be honest. Separating is something that is necessary for growth and development. Separating is something that is necessary for growth and development. And or even health. Because if you find out that you have cancer, you find out that someone you know has cancer, what is the, one of the first things they try to figure out if they can do? Give you a Tylenol? No, they're like, can it be operated on? Is it operable? Can we get in there and cut out? Can we separate what is unhealthy from what is healthy in order to give the healthy a chance? It is necessary for growth and development and health for separation. Now, I didn't say separating was easy or separation was hard. Often they can be both. But it is necessary. And if we are going to be called out... At some level, we must be separated from what is unhealthy. Sometimes what is unhealthy is maybe friends or relationships, the place you work at. I got a friend of mine who was in an unhealthy work environment for like 20 years. And he knew it and went to work every day in the unhealthy work environment. And just like three or four weeks ago, it was, it was finally time for a change. Because it's killing him. Who would want to get up and go to work every day to that place? Had 
to separate from that place. Get a new environment in order for change, growth, and health. Now, Jesus is saying right now, you know, in these two passages, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring division. We say, hold on a second, Jesus. What do you mean you didn't come to bring peace? Isn't in Matthew chapter 5, I don't know, let's say maybe verse 9, where you're standing on this mount and gave a sermon that we call the Beatitudes. Doesn't he say, blessed are the peacemakers? 100%. See, our job is, is not necessarily to create chaos. Our job is to follow the cross. And if we do that authentically, passionately, Jesus will be the one who's doing the separating. Y'all following me? It's that line from Rudy. You hear me clear enough? It's a great line. I sat the bench for two years. And we're not done with the sports references either. I've got a mysterious bag of goodies up here we're going to be getting to in a bit. We are called to be peacemakers. But following Jesus will require some separation in your life. And he's going to take care of it for you. Too many times in my life I tried to separate myself from things that in his time took care of themselves. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And right now we're going to read verses 17 and 18. And yes, we're coming back here to this passage also. And Paul's writing, this is the second letter and his, that, that we have anyway, that he's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says in verse 17, he says, you know, Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. And we're coming back here, so we'll separate yourself from them. We'll separate yourself from who? We're going to discover that, but to really discover that at a deeper level, we first have to go back to what Paul is talking about. Because this verse would have immediately popped in the ears of any Jew who would have known what we call the, the Old Testament, because Paul is directly pulling from the book of Isaiah, chapter 52. So you can turn there if you want. And in, in this chapter, actually ten chapters earlier, during the Babylonian captivity, a prophet named Jeremiah, you may have heard of, who's a contemporary of Isaiah, and actually being written about in this book, they kind of wrote you know, a couple letters, a couple references to each other, during this captivity time frame. And Jeremiah was taken against his will as some of the Israelites, to avoid Babylonian captivity, went against what was prophesied for them to do. And they say, you know what? It's going to be a whole lot safer for us. It's going to be a whole lot more normal for us if we escape Babylonian captivity and if we run away to Egypt. Now, if you're not good on your Israelite history, that's a place that they probably shouldn't ever have to go back to. 
something about, I don't know, being enslaved there, and Pharaoh, and they made a musical out of it, let my people go, right? And Red Sea, and it, like, why would you go back there? And, and, and Isaiah and Jeremiah were both saying, hey, don't do that. Don't, don't go down to Egypt. Don't run away. Endure the captivity. Endure the separation. Because that's necessary for change and growth and health. Is it pleasant? No. Necessary. Yes. But a small group of Israelites went down to Egypt and they took Jeremiah with them. And so we read about that here in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 52. We're going to read, uh, I don't know, verse 7 through 11. Sounds good. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. And again, so we have the peacemaker theme coming through. Who brings good news of happiness, who, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And the voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice and together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Coming back home. Hooray! Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. If you endure it, you're going to be coming back home. And it's going to be a great day. But in verse 11, depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. And this verse was directly related to the people who had gone down to Egypt. Get out of there. Go out of Egypt again. Don't touch any unclean thing. Because I don't know if you haven't heard, but they didn't worship God in, in Egypt. Not the holy God. Not the God of gods, King of kings, Lord of lords. Not Yahweh. Not Jehovah. Maybe Ra. Ra. I guess it didn't have a ring to it, you know. And worship him there. So they're living in the land of... I'm just going to put up with everything else going around because that's the path of least resistance. There's a lot of Christ-following world right now taking the path of least resistance. Whichever way you look at it, it's easier to comply it's easier to bend the knee. It's easier to not create a fuss. It's easier to not stand for your beliefs. It's easier to go be with these other people who don't know God. And yeah, maybe one day you'll, you'll come back to it. It's easier to be at home. It's easier to not open the Bible. It's easier to get those people out of your lives. It's easier to not do what the book says. Friends, we aren't called to easy. We are called out. And there is some separation that needs to happen because what Isaiah is saying, they don't worship God there. You're in a world of idols. Depart, 
Depart from there. Come back home. Like, we're not in a world of idol, like idols. Like, everywhere I look, there's churches, right? There's a church for this and a church for that. Discover life, true life, holy life, water life, life church life, life on life church, lifey life church. There's churches everywhere. In one town, you can have, you can discover life. You can have true life. You can be a part of life. TV.com, whatever it is. There's churches everywhere. What do you mean? We don't live in a world of idols. Really? Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 now. And we're also not done with the Old Testament. And now we're going to back up just a little bit more and then read to where we got to. And we're going to start in here in verse 14. Where, where Paul writes, don't be unequally yoked with, with unbelievers. <coughs> and usually we, we, we limit that passage to just meaning marriage. Well, don't marry or not a Christian. But this passage is so much bigger, so much wider than that. And this one verse has so much more meaning. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Because there's a lot of people who say, but don't believe. There's a lot of people who do a lot of things, a lot of nice things, a lot of good things, but don't really believe. Because if you really believe, you'd follow what this says. So don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? And here Paul goes in these kind of like four question answery things. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness. We're going to answer those. What does righteousness and lawlessness have in common? Nothing. Nothing. Yes, thank you. Is that Aiden? Boom. Got it. Thank you, Aiden. Oh, they've given you... All right, so I'll just, we'll just read this together. Here we go. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Nothing. Okay, all right. What, 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 fellowship, or what fellowship has light with darkness? What does light and darkness have in common? Nothing. Nothing. What accord has Christ with Belial? What does Christ have to do with the devil? Nothing, Nothing in common. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Nothing. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Is God's temple holy? Are idols holy? Should we worship God? Should we worship idols? Do they have anything in common? For we are the temple of the living God, right? Christ has made a way for us to be the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst. Now this go out from said, leave the idol worship. Leave the place that doesn't honor God. And be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. I will welcome you. 
I'll be a father to you, and you should be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And in 2021, it's been really easy to say, well, I'm just the temple of God by myself. I could do church by myself. I don't need to do anything else with anybody else because I'm the temple. And if that were the case, ask yourself why the apostles and early church were so devoted to gathering. They were already living in this new age of Christ followingness, brand new, fresh off the chopping block. Like you can still smell the, the new car smell in Christianity. What's that? That's the way. Ooh. I like that. That smells fresh. It was so new. If, if, we, if just you being the temple all by yourself was enough, why were they so devoted to each other? And so devoted to gathering, to being the church together, to breaking bread together, to the fellowship, to the teaching, to the prayers? Why do they share everything in common with each other and give to any who had need? Acts 2, 42-47 if you need a reference. Why was that so important to them if they could just go... I am rock, I am an island. And just go off in their own and just be their own. I'm good by myself. No. We are the temple together. For we are the temple of the living God. I am but a block stone as are you I'm part of it and if my part is weak and I'm on a corner what could happen yeah anyone ever play with Lincoln Log as much yeah uh huh kaboom kersplat there it goes Anyone ever played Jenga? What's the one place no one in their right mind ever pulls bricks from? The bottom. bottom. You're crazy. It's going to be a real short game. Like you don't go there because that's important. And eventually you keep removing blocks what inevitably happens. It will fall. It's a guarantee. It's not, there's no unending Jenga tower miraculously in someone's living room still being built. Like they didn't cut a hole in their roof to still keep stacking blocks. It's not a giant, you know, American monument like the world's largest peanut or rocking chair. World's tallest tower of Jenga. Because the world's tallest tower of Jenga is really like this big. It will fall if you keep removing blocks. We are the temple together. Now, if we are the temple together, and if you are a block and I am a block, does that make us blockheads? <laughs> if we are blocks together, what type of tower do you want to be a part of? There's nothing that not following God has in common with following God, right? And so Paul, 
here referencing Isaiah is saying, break apart from that other stuff. Depart, get out. Not necessarily as concerned with the world as we discover, but being yoked with unbelievers. A weak block. A missing block. A block made out of a different type of substance. Because there's a big difference between wood and sand. We must separate ourselves from idol worship. Devote ourselves to the holy worship of God. And here comes some feathers. Hold on to yours. Some people, especially in these last two years, have made politics their idol. Maybe some of you have. Maybe you follow it. Maybe you follow your devoted nude source of any type. And you watch it. And you're all caught up into who won this election and this primary and blah, 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 blah. Politics. Maybe has become your idol. Maybe this is your wake-up call for that. Especially over the last two years, science has become a people's idol. And they say they follow God, but lean on the holy words of the CDC. This is not political. This is not mask mandate or not mask mandate. This is where are your priorities. What words are most important to you? God's words or Dr. Fauci's? God created what we know is science. Why don't we bow to that authority? Work might be your idol. And you work, and you work, and you work hard. And you try hard to do a good job. To make a lot of money. So that one day, you can be dead. (laughs) Work might be your idol. And it might have started a little by little and gradually grown into it. And maybe this is your wake-up call. Say, hey, I put my work here. And my faith somewhere on here. And this tiny little block is called Sunday morning. From 1034 because you're comfortably late. (laughs) And the first song isn't good anyway. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. First song is good. Until Josh decides to stop preaching, which is always too long. Oh, yeah, that's David. I'm calling you out. Where's our whistler? Oh, 
man. Maybe your hobby has become your idol. Maybe you just like color by numbers to like a fault. And it's never dawned on you that you're not creating original artwork. You're a great follower directioner. Like really good. You got all the colors. And this one says number 57. And you're really good about staying in the lines. Look what I have made. Maybe your, maybe your hobby has become your idol. Video games. A sport of any kind. Here's a fun one. Maybe your kids have become your idol. No. No. Yes. Because you know them and I know them and you might be one of them and that's okay until today. <laughs> of parents whose sole purpose in life is to drive their child to the next expensive activity. And around and around they go. So the child grows up not thinking they have a parent. The child grows up thinking they have an Uber driver. And there's no balance of, no, we're not going to do that. No, we can't afford that. Because you pull out the credit card to make, you know, I don't know, pony rides happen. Yes, they would be magical. But that's not in the budget. You know what is in the budget, child? Go play with this hand-me-down toy. Yes. And some parents have made kids, their own kids, out of good intention, into an idol. Being valued more highly than the other spouse. More highly than the God that created them. Maybe even binge-watching Netflix is your idol. And you turn it on to watch this whatever show. Netflix did one of the smartest and most dangerous things ever in creating the automatically play next show feature. <laughs> and you could sit down and you could realize that six and a half hours have gone by. And it's now 2 a.m. And you're a dum-dum. And you've got to get up and go to work the next day because you just had to finish that next season of whatever. And suddenly you find out you watch Netflix for six hours and haven't spent time with God for more than six minutes. Which one's the idol? Y'all tracking with me? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 10 now. Maybe some of y'all fingers turn blue from keeping it there that long. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. And now we're not going to just stop at verse 34. We're going to go on. And again, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword, a separator. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
That's a fun one, parents. And again, that, those verses are going to be hanging over your kid's bedside and the cribs. And... <laughs> and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a Demas. Don't be a Demas. And yes, you could change a vowel and it's even more funny. Don't be a Demas. Well, who's Demas? Well, you can turn there if you want. In the book of Philemon, which is right before Hebrews, which is the book that tells gentlemen how to make coffee. Yeah, it's not a new joke, I'm just using it. Yep. In Philemon, there's only one chapter, so there's just verses. Philemon, chapter, uh, verse 23. We get a, a reference here. This is the first reference in chronological time frame of Paul writing and referencing who's working with him. These are his peeps. All right? Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. <coughs> We're in change. Hi. Okay. All right. And, and, and so do Mark and Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Ah, great pride in the grouping of these, these names. And this is an awesome list of names if you're unaware, right? Whew. Be one of those guys. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So he's writing, hey, everyone says hi. Hi. Right? And Demas is here too. The next reference we find forward in the time frame is actually in the book of Colossians, chapter 4. All right, here we read, again, Paul writing to the church in Colossae. Chapter 4, I'll begin in verse uh, 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. We've been busy, we've been doing gospel, it's been awesome, but he's going to get you all cut up to speed. All right? He's a beloved brother and faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. Whew, to be called that by Paul. Yay. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may, be, he may encourage your hearts, and with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, oh, the accolades, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus. My fellow prisoner, he greets you, he says hi to her. He's like the little photo bomber in the back, right? And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Uh, and, and Jesus, who is called Justice, because they didn't want to confuse that. That's an important name. You're like, no, this is going to call you a little bit different. All right, so we can uh, make that all clear, all right? And, and these are uh, the only men of circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Those are my guys. Epaphras, here is that name again, who is one of you, a, a servant of Christ Jesus. He greets you. Hi. And all, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, what a great doctor he is, man. Whew. He is all my boo-boos. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. As does Demas. 
And it goes on from there. Now, we see a little bit of a change here. Demas is one of the guys who started working with Paul. Or letter to Philemon. Now we're forward in time, but backwards in the book because it's not chronological. And it's now this, the second letter, the second reference we have of Demas. Demas is just like there. But you know, you have those friends who's like, eh. Like they're there, but they're not there. Like there's a guy on the team, he might wear the same jersey, but he's not there. He's, I don't know, he's checking his Facebook status or something like that. He's not ready to play the game. The last time we hear of Demas is now forward in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. He's writing to Timothy. Hey, do your best to come to me soon. Man, I'd love to see you. You're my brother. Love to see you. That's for Demas. In love with this present world has deserted me. Gone to Thessalonica. Bye-bye, Demas. There you go. And we see this little arc of, in the beginning when it might be easy or fun or new, there's Demas. And when things get hard and require more separation and distancing from the world, the way the world does things, and the way the world worships things, the way unbelievers worship things, there goes Demas. Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. The first way we are separated and called out is the difference between those who follow and believe and those who don't. We're not going to turn here, but if you want to reference it in Acts chapter 5, shortly after the new church we just talked about, there's two important people. And these two important people who are trying to be up-and-coming leaders and be well-known in the new church are named Ananias and Sapphira, husband-wife team. And Ananias and Sapphira, they have a big chunk of land. They're like, hey, we're going to sell it, and we're going to give money to the church. And we're going to say we sold it for 100000 and we're going to feel real good about giving 50000 the church. These are made up numbers. We don't know what the amount was, but you get the idea. We're going to say we did something for this. I feel really good in moving our status up in this new collective. We're going to make a name for ourselves, and we're going to be known for our generous donation, and for years, there will be a tiny little gold plaque in the pew so that every butt who sits there will know Ananias and Sapphira were here. Well, their plot gets found out by the Holy Spirit. And they approach the apostles. And he was like, what are you doing, man? We know. Holy Spirit done told you. Ananias, husband, you're dead. Ah. And they take him out and bury him. After three hours, his wife, Sapphira, is like, he's been gone to Publix a long time. Like I sent him there for milk and eggs. What on earth is taking him so long? Stupid man. In the, no, one sends a, no one in their right mind sends a man to the grocery store. Women, you know this. My wife does. She sends me a list. I issues it. Come on with popcorn and fruit by the foot. Just because it's fun. He'd been gone a long time. Sapphira's like, where he at? I'm going to go check on him. He went to church. Okay, I'm going to go check on church. And she walks in. He's like, you know what? 
the feet of the guys who just buried your husband, because he's already dead. We wasted no time. He fell down dead, and he's already buried. Gone, dead, in the dirt. You missed it. Oh, why? Oh, because, yeah, we found out about you lying, about you not being a good brick in the temple of God. And ain't nobody got time for that. Kaplunk, gone, she dead too. It's like chapter five. Fun chapter. Fun chapter. Don't let idols creep up on you. We were called to worship, to bear our cross, the holy living God. And some of that will come with separation. Because it's necessary for growth, for change, and for health. Can you all remember that? I know it's not up on the screen, so I know it just... Oh, yeah. Separation is necessary for growth and for change and for health. And we see here separation in the church. And in every gospel, Matthew chapter 21, John chapter 2, Mark chapter 11, and Luke chapter 19, we have multiple references of multiple times where Jesus made a whip and drove out the dudes selling stuff in the temple. They weren't supposed to be there. This thing was unhealthy. Let's separate that from what should be healthy so that what should be healthy has a stinking chance at survival. Because if that thing continues, if that evil continues and is not rooted out, it will be the death of the other thing. And he drives them out multiple places. There's, there's actually, there's not all that many things that are found what we'll call parallel in all four Gospels. There's a few stories. Obviously, the crucifixion, pretty important, right? But this driving out in the temple is found in all four Gospels. Multiple, two different times that we know of. might have happened more. It might have been a yearly occurrence for him. Just go in there and make a whip. I'm not going to put up with this. Get out of my father's house. Now, if Jesus did that to the temple, and we are the temple, what does that say about us? Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23 is another fun passage I've been dwelling a lot on the last two years. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. Actually, we'll start in verse 1. 21. Jesus says in verse 21, chapter 7, book of Matthew. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we preach? Didn't we teach? Didn't I lead a Bible study? Didn't I do a small group? Didn't I serve every other 15th Sunday? Didn't I do this for you? Did we cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Our community was the cleanest community. There no trash to be found. Everywhere you went, there was a this road, you know, protected or clean by True Life Church. Everywhere you went, clean town. Didn't we do that, God. And I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
Your version might say, you workers of iniquity. And the exact translation of this is breakers of the law. Depart from me, breakers of the law. Now there's Mosaic law, which is arguably the first five books of the Old Testament, known as the Torah, right? But at the very least, the absolute very least, the law we're going to whittle this down to is this thing called the first, called the Ten Commandments. Now Kim, don't put them up yet. Don't put them up. Nothing. Now, the references will be up here for you to read in a moment. But does anyone know the gist of the first commandment? Number one. You shall have no other gods before me. I think that's kind of important, right? Let's get this number one commandment, right? Don't put it up. Number two, what's number two? You shall not make idols. Put it up. You shall, have, you shall not make any other idols. Now, right here in the first two commandments, who is God about? God. Yeah. And he's making it pretty clear in rule number one. And rule number two... God must be first. Separate from other things. No golden calves. No putting the kids more highly than they ought. Spouse more highly than they ought. Job more highly than they ought. Science more highly than they ought. Politics more highly. Nothing above God. No idols. No other gods. Number three. Anyone? Anyone? Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Do not use this holy name of Yahweh as a tool to either curse or to get your own way. I like to read it this way. Therefore, we will create a new denomination that reads it the way I like to read it. Thank you. No. No, Don't twist it. Don't mess it up. This is, has always been, and always will be. And I submit to this. Because this means I have to change things in my life. And it's necessary, the separating of my old to the new is necessary for change and growth and health. Now, I'm not a perfect man, and I'm not a perfect pastor. I'm not a perfect husband, and I'm not a perfect father. I'm not a perfect friend, and I'm definitely not a perfect piano player. But I submit to this. This rules all and is all. And it has to be, otherwise we are doing life wrong. Do you get this? This is so important. And if we're going to get this right, we've got to know what it says. And after we know what it says, we have to do what it says. Number four, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Set aside time for just a God day. No work, no play, no using your donkeys for labor. I know we get that one wrong a lot, right? That's in there. 
Stop using your donkeys for hard labor. I know. Make it end. It's a pandemic today. Too many donkeys. Hard labor. (laughs) Have a day set aside for God. And this is why one of the reasons that this is so important when we gather to set aside time to collectively worship, to praise, to celebrate, to mourn together, to be a body of Christ because we are the temple. Therefore, if you're a block over here and I'm a block over here and the blocks don't come together, we're not part of the same building. You tracking with me? So on the day that is set aside Shabbat, the Sabbath, which is technically Saturday, if you want to go real Hebrew, we can just change our church day and we meet on Saturdays. All you NFL fans would be super happy. Unless you like the Lions, then you don't care. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. And one of the ways we can keep it holy is by giving God our best and being the church together. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Cut out the lion. Number 10, you shall not covet. Stop being jealous and be content with what God has given you because you are rich. If your eyes are open and you're paying attention, all the blessings that you have, you're going to waste your life wanting what somebody else has instead of being grateful for what you have. So at the very least, Jesus back in chapter 7 of Matthew is saying, Depart from me, all you workers of lawlessness, you people who break this, who make other idols, who don't worship God, who take my name in vain, who don't keep a Sabbath and keep it holy, who lie and steal and cheat and covet. We want to know who's in Lord, Lord on that final day? Then follow the book. Because he made a way for us. Thanks be to God. So the first way we're being called out is by separation. You're being called out today. If you didn't already feel it, and I didn't either, because it's a fun message. You turn on the air a little bit, you hot. No, you okay? You're being called out. I'm calling you out. Thank you. Finally, a response. Yes. You're hired. In this general direction-ish. We need you in our Christmas choir as our whistler. You're being called out. And I'm calling you out, and you can call me out as a fellow believer. One who's following this, one who's part of this body of Christ. You hear me clear enough? They're being called out. No more idols. God first. Let friends and relationships and jobs, let the pieces fall where they will. Trust and follow God.
this last year and a half has been a fun year and a half, has it not? We're having church, everything's normal, then hold on, stay in for two weeks, and it'll all pass. <laughs> oh, and then it's four weeks, we'll live stream for a month of April of 2020. And here we still are, still going on. It's still affecting lives. Fortunately, it's still ending lives. Over the last year and a half, I'm going to confess, it's been hard to be a pastor. And coming back from this trip this past week, I'll just let you in on where I'm at. I'm tired. And I'm not tired without having energy. I'm fired up for where we're at. I love you. I love this church and where, what God is doing here. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of being kicked while I'm down. Because that's my job. I'm tired of having friends and relationships get bitter and end. I'm tired of realizing that people who I thought I was close to, I'm really not. I know. Uh, That's my point. You read my notes, Ben? (laughs) Now, I'm thankful to be your pastor. And so many of you have showed your kindness and your thankfulness to me and my family, and I appreciate that. But from this day moving forward, we're either all in or you're called out. We're living this or it's going to be called out. We're following this or it's going to be called out. You're reading this or it's going to be called out. And I know it feels like I'm preaching to the choir and in a lot of ways I am. And this is the final pin of a fun year and a half of trying to lead a church the best myself and the elders could. We made every decision the best we possibly could for the overall best interests of our overall church. Period. And we're doing our best to read, to teach, to equip the gospel. And you've got to be about it. Because if you want sidelines, you want another church. The second way we are called out is what Jesus says later on in chapter Matthew 28. I invite you to turn there so we read it again, because it's important. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Not only have we been called out and separated to live a different type of life with a different type of purpose, we have been called out to not keep that life and our purpose under a basket. To not keep the light hidden, but like a city on a hill to let it be shown and be known for all around to hear that say, hey, there's a better way. And you're going to have a harder time convincing people who already say they believe in God to do what we're talking about. I think we're now living in a day and age where it's easier to convince someone who does not know God that there is a God, someone who doesn't know Jesus that there is a Jesus, and that that person really died for their sins, than it is to convince someone who thinks there's a God and thinks there's a Jesus and is comfortable in their feelings and their current modus operandi, the way of operating, they're, they're so comfortable in their convenience that it's harder to convince them of the need of Jesus and the change that is required. We have a call. We've been called out. You know, the whole world, and you know where your world starts? We're out these doors. In your workplace, in your classroom, your world starts with a kid in the seat next to you at school. Start small, but God handled the big. And if you and I made it an intentional moment to not just once a week or some, I did it this month, but every day we went out there and say, I'm going to talk to someone else about my Savior. I'm going to share the gospel, and not some watered-down alternate version of the gospel, one that is, comes with some perks. Heaven, eternity, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Peace, yes. And also division. Healthy separation. Necessary for change and growth and health. So we've been called out and your world starts small. We were camping a few weeks ago on the men's trip and we were up there and it was our last night there. And we were hanging out by the fire. We'd had dinner and, and some, some dude brought a, a, an Alexa Bluetooth speaker. So we were pumping some tunes out there in the middle of God's nothing wilderness. So like you're out there, here's a beautiful creek and I'm like, all right. So we had a fire. We're having a good time, right? And we saw this Jeep driving by a couple of different times. And by about 9 o'clock, which is about three hours after dark up there, and Donna's like, hey, they can't find a place to camp. And so they pulled in down the road from us just a bit, where there are very obvious bright yellow no camping signs, which is why we also chose to not camp there. So I walked down to this Jeep and I said, hey, I, if, I've seen y'all drive back three or four times. It's obvious you can't find a spot. You can't, keep, you can't camp over there. But like from Forrest Gump, you can't sit here. You can sit here if you want. All right, so I went over to the Jeep and said, you know what? You can come close to our site and ju you just need a place to stay. If you're hungry, 
We got plenty of food. There's like 87 hot dogs we're not going to eat. You can have some of those. And you can come get close to our campsite. So they drove over. I'm like, hey, what's your name? He's like, hey, what's your name? I'm like, where are you from? He's like, Melbourne, Florida. <laughs> I'm like, get out. Are you serious? He's like, yeah. I'm like, there's a road called Pineda. I'm like, dude, we are from Melbourne, Florida. You must come and sit and talk with the people from Melbourne, Florida. Like, it, we are so, we're off the map. There's no cell phone service. Nothing works out there. We're technically off of Forest Road 58, wherever that is, up there in, you know, the Nuntula camping area. And there we are. It's 9.30 p.m. on a Friday night in North Georgia, and our butts are on a fire, and boop, pulls up Melbourne, Florida. Hey! It's a small world! And so I've got to have a great conversation with a man and his wife who had cool dogs. He's working for Texas Roadhouse. He's like, yeah, I was, I was managing, the, right now I'm managing the one up in Orange City in Deland. I'm like, I, I too lived in Deland. <laughs> and so like within the span of two minutes, it's like I was stalking him. <laughs> And it was, it was beyond what level of just, it, it, it's a small world. It's a small world. And, and, and in the middle, and if you would have told me, Josh, you would have been able to share Jesus, and I did. If you would have been able to share Jesus with a, a Catholic guy and his wife who works for Texas Roadhouse out camping. <laughs> okay. And where are they from? Melbourne, Florida. Okay. Like, see, what? It's a small world, so start small. And sometimes God is going to bring a big world to make it small so that you can share the good news of Jesus Christ. These moments aren't put in front of you to just, oh, that was cool. What a coincidence. I, I am from Florida. Man, have a Jesus conversation. Don't, don't let that moment pass you by. Offer him hot dogs and talk about Jesus. It's natural. Hot dog. Jesus, hot dog? <laughs> Jesus, hot dog? They are Nathans. <sighs> Ephesians chapter 4. And I warned you we we're going to be preaching and teaching today. Bear with me. We're in the home stretch. This is where I ran out of markers. Ephesians chapter 4. All right. I'm going to begin in verse 11. Paul writes, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves of cancel culture and other things and politics and science and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness. It's okay, it's all meta. It's all meta. Did you check the name first? No. No. Just kidding, we're still Facebook. Craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. 
from whom the whole body joined and held together all of our blocks, all of the temple together, held together, not held apart, held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's a little line in here which is really important that says, when each part is working properly. Now, you can have the most fantastic engine. It could be like a V12 Hemi something or other. But if your spark plug, this big, is not working, you can have a great engine if your battery's dead. I don't know what sounds your car makes when the battery is dead. I imagine mine going, no, can't do it. No, there's nothing there. You know, you can have the best engine, and, and if there's not the right oil in it, or if you're one of those people who pulled up to the pump and unknowingly put in diesel, <laughs> whoops, right? Sorry for you. Every part working properly. Now, we are joined together and says, well, I'm not an apostle, I'm not an evangelist. And if you've ever been taking one of our spiritual gifts classes, it's not that you don't have the gift of evangelism. It might not be your priority. For most people in here, and I believe this is an accurate statement, you have what we'll call the gift of walking. (laughs) Some of you are not as good as others at the gift of walking. Your feet or toes find walls and corners. Now, and I believe this is true, you're able to walk, but some better than others. Some of you have even this thing called the gift of running. And that's where you walk really fast. It's jogging with a silent J, right? And, and, and you, just, you just, apparently you just run. And, and, you, and you might be really good at walking version two, running. And then, then there are people like Usain Bolt, which just is the coolest name for running. Like if you want to think of fast Bolt, oh. And that's like an insane bolt, but it's Usain. So like Usain Bolt, he really fast. He's gone. Really has the gift of like walking. It's like walking and then. Somewhere inside you, whether or not you think you are the best at it or not, you have the gift of talking to people about Jesus. what we're called to do. And it's too easy to say, well, that's the pastor's job. Or I went through a spiritual gifts class and I actually had the gift of generosity. Therefore, I will evangelize 0% and give more. No, it's not the way it works. You are called out to a desperate world. Some who think they're Christians. Now, weeks ago, we had this on the back of our seats. It didn't look like this. This is readable. And it was the tape that said, wait here until called. Anyone remember that? Yeah, it was across all the seats when we started this series. And instead of throwing it away, this still small voice inside said, hey, roll it into a ball. (laughs) And so I listened to that still small voice and said, what am I going to do with this ball? Leave it in your office. (laughs) Okay, but what do I do with it? Leave it alone. All right. 
And on the trip that never ended yesterday, I was able to put all of this together. I said, aha, I know why the ball. Now this is a ball, right? It's a spherical shape of tape. It's a, you know what? You can't do it better than this. You know what? Okay. So here we go. Here's a spherical shape of tape. It says wait here until called, right? Now if I said, let's go play a game. Come on, let's go. What, what, game, what game would we be playing? What is wrong? Maybe catch, right? The, the thing is, you don't know. You don't know, all right? So, so I'm going to put this here, all right? What else is here? I almost called this uh, balls outlet there. I almost scratched out the E, but all right, here we go. Here's another one. Spherical shape, somewhat flat because it's easy for little four-year-old feet to kick, right? And what type of ball is this? <laughs> all right, Mike, so if you're going to, if I'm going to kick this to you and you're you're just going to be, oh, my eye, I'm going to fall all over the ground, and then, and then you get a card. I'm like, I've already got a card. No, it's, no this is a soccer ball. It's America. It's soccer. Uh, soccer ball, tiny little itty-bitty soccer ball. And if I said, hey, let's go play a game. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see your racket. Your face. All right, so you don't, you don't know what, if I say let's go play a game, you know what that is. If I say play, you at least know what the game is, but is this size soccer ball fit for all ages? No, okay. You know the sound this ball makes, even without hearing it. And if I were to say, what game are we playing? Dodgeball, <laughs> Dodgeball or, kickball. or kickball. Okay, so there's, there's multiple options depending on your, your ability to, to run away from being hit endlessly. Kickball or dodgeball? Oh. No, because if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Now, what is this? If you said softball, you are correct. This is a softball. But not be fooled by its terminology. This ball is not, in fact, soft. I was in a rec league in DeLand for a couple years. On the, our, our church had a softball team, and I was arguably the worst player I had a habit of like hitting it and when I hit it I got so excited that I hit it I just let the bat go the other direction that's what the fence is for but the umpire got mad said if you do that again you're out so I said no bad player so this is a softball and I got pegged real hard one time in in a special place this is a softball we're clear on that right What is this? Uh, this is the official training ball of the Major League Baseball, a Rawlings. 
This is baseball. Same look as this one, right? But already from a distance, you know that these two are not created equal, right? They're, they're different. They're not the same. And even though they may look the same, one slightly larger, one slightly smaller, you do not use these to play the same game, correct? The Braves know how this is. Now, for you te- people with, with teams in the state of Florida you like, this is a football. Florida Gators, FSU, Miami, this is a football, okay? You can learn how to play, and, and there's games. You play in these games, and the goal is to win these games. This is a joke. Go dogs. This is a football. It's got to be bad when the Gators lose to the chickens. I mean, right? No one wants to lose to the chickens. This is a football. Okay. Clear on that, right? This needs no explaining. Okay. So we have spherical tape, tiny four-year-old soccer ball, dodgeball that hurts more than you think, softball that's not soft, baseball and a glove that is meant for softball, and... And a football. Now, if I said, hey, let's go play a game, and I picked one of these up, you would know exactly what I was going to do with it, right? I would be inviting you to play a game. Now, if I said, we're going to go play football, let's go. Let's go play football. Yes? No? No. Wrong, wrong ball for football? Do we agree on this? Who says? Maybe they're wrong. Maybe this is the ideal ball for football. And we just don't know it yet, right? So we're willing to try it. Go along. All right? Trying to catch that for a touchdown. Okay. All right. You know what? You're right. Let's not play that. Let's play baseball. You ready? Batter up. Wrong ball? Right ball? Okay. You're right. You're sorry. Okay. Who's up for golf? Want to play golf? No? No takers on this for golf? No? Some of y'all ready? <laughs> you, you ready? That's my, that's my dog fan right there. I mean, catch that thing. All right. Okay. Soccer. Let's go. Soccer. Yes? No one? Okay. Hockey. Let's go. <laughs> Hockey. All right. So is it enough that I have a ball to invite you to play the same game? got to be the right ball for the right game. Now, if I wanted to invite you to play football, are all of these three good choices? I have a four-year-old. Yes. Don't mess with me. Okay? Are all of these good choices to play the game of, of American football? Yes. Are they bad for golf? Are they bad for soccer? Okay. Are, are they bad for... No, you probably could really do an epic game of dodgeball with these. Because <laughs> I'm a lot more accurate with this than I am with that. Someone's going to get hurt. Okay. All right. It's, it's not enough that you have a ball. you got to have the right ball to play the same game as somebody else. Because it would be really stupid otherwise. 
You and I have been called not to a different game, but to the same game. And for the sake of this illustration, we're going to call this game the ministry of the gospel football, which is unarguably the best sport known to planet Earth if you're wearing the colors of red and black. There's so many churches and so many religions and so many different interpretations that are all not football. And someone's going to say, here, this is good enough. You know what? This is the message you need for today. Wait here until called. Spherical tape. This will get you through the week. That's all you need is get through the week. It's not Jesus. It's just a feel-good cat meme that says, hang in there. Who wants it? <laughs> you know, this might be a ball that says, it's, it's, you know what? You can be a Christ follower. But you don't have to go to church. You just do you, and the universe will smile. Karma will give you good credit, because that's what the commercial says. The fortune cookies will all open in the right direction and have positive messages made in a factory overseas, specifically meant just for you. This might be that ball, but is it the same as playing football? We've already clarified this is not a football. This is a baseball. Not good for playing football. See, it's important for you and I to not just have a ball. But have the right ball. And be playing the same game. There's a lot of different interpretations, a lot of different churches, a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different Facebook feeds, a lot of different groups, a lot of different whatever. Say, so you know what? That ball you have is actually all you need. I don't believe it for a minute. Play the right game. You need to be with the right people. You need to have the right equipment. They're not created equal. And we submit to this. Matthew chapter 9, verse 7. This is our final verse. Just one. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. And Jesus said to his disciples, of which hopefully we consider ourselves the same. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers 
into his harvest. Church, we're called out from what was to what is, and more importantly, to what should be according to God's word. We are separated from those who are not following the gospel, following an alternate gospel, as Paul writes, of which, as if there is one, but they'll try to make it seem so. And separation is ultimately necessary for change and growth and health. Have no other idols before God. And if that means you rearrange your calendar starting today, then so be it. That means finding a different job or finding a different circle of friends or or finding a different social media tool or none at all. So be it. No other gods, no other idols. Keep the Sabbath holy. Follow the law. We are called out from what was to what is. And what God says rules everything. And we are called out of this building. And to a world that might seem huge, like how can I change that? It's not up to you to change it anyway. It's up to you to listen to God, to follow what he says. And he will put people in your path. From Noontula Creek, Melbourne, Florida. He will put people in your path to have a Jesus conversation. Not to just catch up or talk about how good the Georgia Bulldogs are. Everybody knows that. No, it's intentional conversations. Don't let a conversation be wasted without talking about the life-saving, life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes me, that changes you, and that changes them. We called out from the way we were before, from a sinful life, to a one, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. And we've been called out into the world to go, therefore, into all nations, teaching and baptizing, making disciples. There are two types of separation, two types of being called out that are so important for us today, it was worth taking the time for us to talk about it. Because you don't get one without the other. I want to do a part two next week. They're inseparable. You're being called out. Let God make a big world small for you. And he will. And tell someone else about Jesus. Not the world version of Jesus. This version of Jesus. And that means you got to know what this says. And do it. Don't be hearers of the word only. But doers. Church already be called out this week. Let's invite the band up. We're going to sing. I'm all pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word for us today. Thanks for our church gathering as long as required in order to praise you, to seek your face, to learn from your word. 
God, I thank you for this church, for the mission that you've given this church to grow and belong and serve together. God, help us not just be equipped, but equipped with the right stuff to not just play the game of ministry or church, but to have the right, the right ball for the game. We all have those gifts. It's time we got in the game and got out there and were called out to use them. God, thank you for your word for us. Thank you for this church. In your heavenly name we pray. True Life Church says all together. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and praise.